You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Okay, welcome back to the TV Obsessive podcast. We're for episode 13. As always, I'm Cameron Crane, executive editor for tvobsessive.com, and I'm joined by Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor for the site. How are you doing today, Ryan? I am doing really well today. Weather is good finally in Texas. Things are cooling down. Things are looking up. Um, I guess my question for you today, Cameron, just to get things started. Have you ever been married and then married someone else at the same time? The the two, two is better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Have you ever ever tried that game? I'm curious. No, I haven't. I I think we need triples. Triple, triples would be best. (laughs) I don't know if you're getting my reference. No, I've never been married at all, actually. (laughs) That's a dangerous game Jerry Buss is playing in that uh, in that show. But we'll, we'll get yeah. into that fact and fiction of all that. We will. I was going to say. I mean, it will hold up. But it's, it's it's like the reality is actually even stranger. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like so, um, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're going to get into um, the most recent episode of Winning Time again on the latter half of the podcast. But per usual, we'll talk about some kind of news. A lot of downers. Uh, kind of, and uh, hitting on one we're watching in a spoiler-free kind of way, besides winning time, and then we'll dig into winning time a lot around the pause. So. Um, yeah, so it's some, September 12th, 2023. Um, what caught your eye in the news this week, Ryan? Yeah, can we start with the, the Drew Barrymore stuff? I know that that's on our, our okay. list to talk about. Um, you know, just as it relates to, we, we've obviously mentioned in, in several pods about these ongoing strikes um is drew barrymore the most famous name or is she the only famous name we've heard so far that sort of crossed this this scab line maybe some details about what's what's happening here with her yeah so i mean the details would be i guess that her talk show which Drew Barrymore has a daytime talk show. If anyone doesn't, mm-hmm, apparently, I feel like I learned about this really late. I was like, "Oh, really? Oh, okay." Um, so, as I understand it, Drew Barrymore, her daytime talk show, um, I guess they went off the air for like their summer hiatus before the strikes really started, or something. I, I don't know. I don't really watch the Drew Barrymore show to be honest. Uh, and and she's not alone. There, there are some other daytime talk shows that are in a similar situation. I guess. But Drew Barrymore's become the face of this, that they're going to come back. I think they started recording. And the the problem is that um, this show employs WGA writers who are on strike. So as I understand everything, the issue is not really that Drew Barrymore is violating the seg after strike. It's about the WGA strike because... You know, they're saying, well, we're going to come back, we're just going to do it without writers. But if anyone is writing on the show, and I guess it opens an almost philosophical question of what is writing. But, you know, normally they'd have people writing a monologue and all that kind of stuff, you know. Right. But so, like, if they have any version of that, whoever's writing that is a scab by definition, because, you know, if if you're doing the work of someone who's on strike, you're a scab. It's a nasty term on purpose, yeah. but but that's the definition of what it means. And even if, as you described it, 
they come back, quote unquote, without writers or I don't know, Drew Barrymore says she's going to write everything herself or whatever. You're setting a pretty dangerous precedent there that you can do the show without these writers that you have relied on. They're striking for you know their their well-being, for their uh, you know for, for, for the, the the benefits that they get as part of that role. You're really setting a bad precedence of saying uh, we can do this without without you, whether with scabs or whether with just winging it, whatever it is that they're going to decide to do. Yeah, well, I mean that's kind of the force of the term in our, you know, we're having a labor movement moment, I guess. And it's maybe it's been a while for people because yeah. I feel like encountering some people on social media, they don't get that the term has a meaning. If you use the term scab, you know, it, it's, it is an epithet. It is an insult, but it has a distinct meaning. So, I mean, yeah, if, look, if Drew Barrymore writes it herself, Drew Barrymore's a scab. Mm-hmm. If anyone helps her, their scabs right if they some i don't know can can you do the show without writers what does that mean i don't <laughs> like, know how you do that like like hey i just i came out and started talking without preparing at all you know i i, I don't i don't i don't even know if you can kind yeah. of um make that argument they might try but i mean in terms of enforcement to get to part of what you're saying about precedent and so on and so forth anyone who scabs by the lights of the wga is barred from membership in the WGA. Right. Now, I don't think that Drew Barrymore necessarily wants to be a member of the WGA, you know? So, um, by does it have teeth, but then the public backlash is along these lines as well. And um, I think that's always been kind of the thing about calling out and negatively viewing and blacklisting scabs is that you can't have this because fundamentally it undermines the strike if um, the employers can just hire other people to do the work. Yeah. Can I read you a, a little bit of her statement that she released, uh, I think, yesterday about this? Sure. I, I am making the choice to come back for the first time in this strike for our show that may have my name on it, but this is bigger than just me. I own this choice. We are in compliance with not discussing or promoting film and television that is struck of any kind. We launched live in a global pandemic. Our show was built for sensitive times and it's only functioned through what the real world is going through in real time. I want to be there to provide what writers do so well, which is a way to bring us together or help make it make sense of the human experience. What was the part about writers? I want to be there to provide what writers do so well, which is a way to bring us together or help us make sense of the human experience. See, well, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, and I think that's, it's understandable that some people are kind of confused about this. As I understand things, I don't think she'll be in violation of the SAG after strike. Right. She's fine. But with regard she, to that. No, it's the she looks terrible, strike. but she's fine. Yeah. It's the writer's strike. Right. That, that, um, uh, that this would, is running a follow. I mean, yeah. and they clearly think so. They're picketing the show. Even these, as I understand it, even these improv shows, whose line is it anyway? Whatever. They have people that write prompts, write openings, write things for people to say is is intros and outros. Um, you can't just have a purely improvisational show on television. Yeah. Well, and you know, um, you know who Adam Conover is? No. He's been quite active quite vocal on social media he used to have a show um called adam ruins everything 
Mm, okay. Which which I which I quite enjoyed actually. Um, it was on I think True TV. But um, anyway, I saw someone on, on Twitter saying like, "Well, but they've been doing the View this whole time, and that hasn't been a problem." And he piped up immediately to go, "It has been a problem. We've been picketing that show, right?" So, you know, I mean, look, it, it, it's it's it is a little bit of a gray area. Yeah, it, I think it would, in theory, be possible to have some things like to be clear i i don't know i feel at risk of being too much of like putting on a teacher hat or something <laughs> but like maybe people don't know it's not a problem to have the news it's not right. a problem to have even like the sports talk shows that don't employ wga writers that have continued mm-hmm. right the problem with shows like the drew barrymore show and the view, I guess, as I understand it, is that they have traditionally employed WGA striker uh, writers, right. those people on strike. So to continue without them is is basically scabbing. Yeah, that's exactly right. You're 100 percent right. Well, just segueing to, you know, continuing to talk about talk shows. Th- this is a few days old, and and so I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, but there was a pretty. Uh, I'll say damning piece in Rolling Stone about the Jimmy Fallon show. You know, this is obviously another show that's been on hi- hiatus with the strike for some time. Someone has, you know, perhaps in their frustration or perhaps just ready to to whistleblow a little bit has talked about the toxic workplace that that, is, that show has created. Just people uh, working long, long, long hours, having crying rooms, having places where they just... Are, are are feel like their their work is just completely unappreciated that it's just it's trampled on um do, do you think this is more rule or exception here with this and in, the, in these everyday we film talk shows you know i don't know how bad it was obviously we're not there but you think this is more the norm or or the exception you're talking you mean like in the industry as a whole yeah yeah i don't know I mean, go ask mo ryan <laughs> how much is there to burn down? I, I just um, referencing that Maureen Ryan's book, Burn It Down. I, I don't know for sure. I mean, I know that there was definitely some stuff about Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, is it surprising to you that Jimmy Fallon would be? So I am glad you brought up Saturday Night Live. Um, I, I've watched that show since I was a teenager, not a, as religious about it now as, as I once was. But yeah. you talk about a, a culture that while people may not use the word toxic, it, it has developed some toxicity in people, right? That, you know, just overlook drug use, you know, work people two straight days without rest. Um, the junior writers just trampled on by people who are the, the stars and the, the senior folks in the room. I mean, this is all documented in other, uh, other pieces and other books people have, have done, but it's interesting that Fallon comes from that environment clearly was a star of that show wrote for that show um, and has you know, made this huge name from, for himself. So I, I have been to two Jimmy Fallon tapings um, in the time that I've been to New York and so you see see a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. And yeah. I will say it's it was nothing like this. Everything was happy. The crew is joking that, you know, he's engaging with the crowd. It, it's all, you know, that's still very public facing, I guess, even when the cameras are not, quote unquote, rolling. But uh, nothing like this that I read in this yeah. in this story. It is it is still public facing. Though. Now, this is funny because 
I don't know what the chances are of this, Ryan. I've also been to a Jimmy Fallon show taping. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Actually, it was maybe it was it was like a rehearsal show. It was like right when the show was starting, and was living in New York City, and my buddy Carl, who just always had things to do, was like, "Hey, I got these tickets to Jimmy Fallon," and we went to Thirty Rock, and they were like moving us around. Anyway, yeah, so we've had similar experiences. I don't know. All right. And, who, and he, who, who was nice the guest? And friendly and everything, of course. But who was the guest on the show that uh, that you attended? I don't at all remember. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't even think it aired. Oh gosh. Um, okay. So here, here, here's my two that were. I remember very clearly. Very clearly. Um, first one was Julia Louis Dreyfus and Val Kilmer. Those oh, were the first good. two guests. So this was a good line. This was right in the middle of Veep. Uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus was you know, on top of the world still. Very, very funny. Um, and Val Kilmer was doing a play about Mark Twain. Uh, so that was that was interesting to hear about. The second time, again, complete coincidence, just luck of when you get the tickets. Tom Cruise was the guest. He was on there talking about one of the Mission Impossible movies. And they did a lip sync battle. Jimmy Fallon and Tom Cruise. You can go watch this on YouTube. It's fantastic. Um <laughs> So they go back and forth with their songs, and at the end, they do together the Top Gun, You've Lost That Loving Feeling. And they choose a random lady in the audience to sing to. And my wife was like right by this person, and she was so close to getting the, the Jimmy Fallon, Tom Cruise serenade, but we didn't, we didn't quite get it. So, But it was still pretty, pretty cool to see that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It sounds fun. So, I mean, I don't know, though, man. You know, it's like the, the, the whole thing about a guy like Fallon is I think this piece of stuff that's coming out makes you ask yourself how much of just everything we've ever seen of him is sort of an act. You know, yeah. every yeah. everything is him on. Yeah. Everything is the public face. And, and apparently the private face has not always been... <laughs> good <laughs> you know um i think he did apologize for whatever that's worth i don't know you know yeah he but, did he did he got on a zoom with them apologized put out a public apology yes yes he he is he is and i committed to doing better okay so that's 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 our talk show beat, beat for the day yeah so what else we got we've got some industry news in the on the business side yeah you know, <laughs> i don't want to get too into the weeds on the business side um probably we should have hit on this last week because last week but it was still up in the air with the, um, this would be the um, negotiations between Charge Spectrum and Disney as a whole. Disney, yeah. ESPN, um, cable subscribers lost their access to these channels on September right. 1st, myself included. <laughs> um, and uh, I didn't think to mention it last week. I somehow just thought it was like a personal problem. But it was like <laughs> millions of people, you know. <laughs> Um, because um, Spectrum, the cable company, basically wanted more access to some of the stuff that was being held only to streaming. Right. And, you know, it really is kind of, there's something you could read into about where the overall kind of industry is going. But they did resolve it finally. Um, yesterday on Monday, in time for Monday Night Football, which right. I think, I, I honestly think that put a lot of pressure because you would have had, uh, I saw some number, I mean, they're like one of the major, if not the most 
um, prevalent cable provider in the New York metropolitan area, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So you potentially have people in New York City and New Jersey and stuff being like, what do you mean we can't watch the Jets? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so Spectrum is not a major provider here in Texas, but as I understand it, in the Northeast and in California, it is a tremendously popular, if not the most popular provider. You know, them, Xfinity, there's few few yeah. primary options. But as you said, I, there's, I, there's I'd nothing. I'd have to double check. I think they might be second to Comcast. Second to Comcast, Nation Xfinity, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not positive about that. I wasn't prepared for that kind of number. It's always <laughs> a weird thing, though, too, because it's like the cable companies managed to get away with not violating antitrust laws because they have like theoretical competitors, exactly. you know, <laughs> or so you could get a satellite. And yeah. most places I've lived, it's like if you want cable, cable, it's one company and one company alone. And that's the only thing you can get. And that's exactly right. Well, as you said, there's nothing like Aaron Rodgers on Monday Night Football to you know help people come to an, to an agreement. There was a lot of pressure from those those yeah. big markets i think we uh want to do... you, you catch that last night and see the this hard knocks epilogue that had come yeah, to again do you want to talk about that man that was rough <clears throat> four plays four snaps three plays four snaps no completions no no fantasy points for anybody that you and i care about <laughs> yeah i've got him i've got him on two dynasty teams just sitting there with the goose egg you know, oh, i still won one of them anyway but man and uh, anyway, no, don't go, don't get me into the weeds about Garrett Wilson and my dynasty shares. Um, <laughs> I mean, just just in real world terms, yeah, you had all of this off season stuff. You had this whole storyline with Aaron Rodgers coming to New York. You had everything in hard knocks. You had him buying in, him being the face, and being fully committed, yeah. and talking about how he's going to train up Zach Wilson. And after mm-hmm. he plays for a few years, Zach Wilson's going to win 20 million Super Bowls, you know, and like <laughs> the whole thing. And then also the the kid who returned the punt. Oh, yeah. You know, undrafted rookie, barely makes the team. And just what a wild ride. Because the Jets won the game on that. They, they um, won Xavier the game. Gibson is his name. He, returned he, punt for a touchdown. You you know, gosh, you know the HBO execs are like, God, why don't we have them for one more week? You know, one one more episode. Man, imagine uh, what that would have been like. It's such a such a mixed bag. I not, yeah. and I don't even know. I mean, but it, it was striking to me in our context, because we're not a sports podcast, but the the like TV viewing experience. Yeah. The it's like the biggest off-season narrative. And then also hard knocks, you know. Yeah just for it to end this way and then it's messy and now i tell you what would be great i don't particularly believe in zach wilson (laughs) but i tell you what if that guy if zach wilson manages to somehow actually turn it around and lead the new york jets to a super bowl it would be like the most amazing (laughs) this year it'd be like the most amazing kind of redemption arc i can ever think of for a sports figure the don't the, don't uh, don't wager your paycheck on it. That's all I got to say. No, I don't think that's going to happen at all. <laughs> no, not, not at all. No, and no one does. But th- but that's my point. Right? You see, because like last year, it was like they were ready to yeah, tar and feather them out of town, and then 
oh, we got Aaron Rodgers. We're going to keep Zach around. We still right. believe in him. You know, we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're like, I don't know, were you watching Monday Night Football last night? Troy Aikman yes. is vicious. Like, he practically said things like, well, it's going to be really hard for the Jets because Zach, uh, Zach Wilson is bad at football. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> he was really i mean it was like a little bit more yeah covered than that you know but at one point he, he goes that's just a basic football play and he can't do it and you know like, man ouch oh, but they oh, won the man. game such so that's, that's a great game great great game i mean what a just sort of good final chapter to if you're following the jets through through hard knocks this this summer so all right before we Talk about what we're what else we're watching besides Monday Night Football. Let me just do a sort of personal thing that I I noticed. Are, are you a fan at all of the the MonsterVerse, Godzilla, King Kong, all those guys? What's your what's your thoughts? Do you grow up with them like I did? I mean, a little. I've always been a little bit more on the margins. I'm more of a theoretical fan than an actual yeah. one. Like <laughs> I, I like the idea. I like the things that I've seen, except for the Matthew Roderick Godzilla movie. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> that was that was boring. It was it, it, it was, it was um, boring. So so here here's my very very brief story. My grandparents, when I was growing up, they had a Beta Max machine, not a VHS. Beta Max. They had like three tapes, and one of them was 1962 Godzilla vs King Kong. Why they had this, I have no idea. So it's the two guys in the suits, right, fighting on the model city for for an hour and a half straight. So I watched that thing probably 300 times when I was at their, their house growing up. So that, that became my intro into I, I am. And now my son is a huge, huge fan of this, this MonsterVerse. And so when I see Apple TV is putting out a show in a couple of months called Monarch Legacy of the Monsters, I'm like out of my seat cheering because I'm very, very excited about this. We love the movies that have come out recently. The show is going to kind of tie in three different generations and sort of explore the origins of these these monsters. This is the the complete nerds or sci-fi um, in me that's looking forward to this. But man, I I couldn't be more excited about it. Kurt Russell, John Goodman. I mean, we got we got yeah. some big news in this show. Wyatt's in it too, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes, and, so, and his son Wyatt. So that's the interesting thing. So Kurt Russell is playing the mid two thousand teens version of a character, and then when it flashes back to the you know, 60s and 70s, kind of around the time of Kong Skull Island, his son is playing him. Oh, and I didn't realize they're playing. The yes, same character. so they are the same character, oh, that's cool. father and son, um, sort of similar to uh, another show we're we're talking about right now. But but yeah, yeah. I'm just I was excited about it. Had to, had to mention it. Watch Monarch Legacy of the Monsters in November. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't. That's like that's what I'm saying. Like, it looks fun. Yeah, I, I'm totally. I don't have all the mythology. I haven't seen all these other movies. I don't. Well, it looks fun. Um, I, I, I love it. I love it. So uh, let's push forward here. What, what else are you right. watching? Well, tonight is the night. We are again recording this on the twelfth. You and I have talked about this a little bit. Tonight is as I'm going through Ahsoka episode five. And if you're following along with that show, it's gotten quite a bit of buzz in terms of the. Um, the epicness that it's supposed to bring tonight after the first half of the the season so much so that they are releasing this episode across the country well several cities across the country in theaters and people are going to pay to watch this i put in my zip code in the website there's no screening anywhere near me i will admit 
I looked, I would have gone if it was playing anywhere near my house. You know, let, let me, did you, did you see where it was planning? Cause I can guess, I'm, I'm going to guess that it's playing in New York city. Yep. I'm going to guess it's playing in LA Yep. and maybe Chicago. Yep. That's it. I mean, yep. that's the ones that I, that's the ones that I saw. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's playing other places, but those are the three that I saw. But, uh, you know, it's Houston gets short shrift, right? Because Houston is bigger than Chicago. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so no, not 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 screening down here, but I, I just thought, you know, they they've done some wacky experiments by, you know, they put the first few episodes of Andor on on ABC when that show was out. They've experimented. They put a couple episodes of Secret Evasion randomly on ABC. So now the fifth episode, the middle episode of this eight episodes is going to go into movie theater for one one night. Yeah. So I don't and know. that's and that's weird. I wonder how this will do. And I mean, think I mean, you haven't seen the episode yet. Nope. Maybe we can talk about this next week. Because part of my question is like, I haven't been watching the show at all. Yeah. Could I go to the movie theater and just watch <laughs> this one episode and be like, and and you know, does it somehow hold together enough? To yeah. Where that yeah. would make sense. It's kind of a really odd thing. Um, well, as you know, I've been writing about this for the site and was kind of on shaky ground the first couple of episodes, but. Man, they really roped me in with episode four. So I, I am I am very much anticipating tonight. My calendar is cleared. I'll be watching it. So yeah, we'll have to touch on what it have been theater worthy next time we record. Yeah, that's my question. I don't watch it. I'm glad you're excited about it though. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you got the episode four got you. <laughs> that's that's wonderful. Did you did you check out the changeling? I have seen the first episode. Now I've seen the first episode and read a good amount of what you wrote on the site. And because I was very intrigued by the the headline of takes three hours to set its stage. Right. Uh So the first episode. I don't know, I would say I didn't let it roll into the second because I just was sort of like, maybe I should just go through all three. So I I don't know what's happening here. I don't know. (laughs) Or like, what is the point of this show? Right. Um, uh, maybe it's a it's a three hour long pilot, but I just was kind of confused what it was about. <laughs> I mean that that was really how it felt. You know, I'm on record in various places. I usually take the opportunity to like complain that I don't like that they release three episodes at once, just do one a week and all yeah. of that. But look, part of that is that I feel like a show should establish itself quicker. Yeah. Like the, the yeah. first episode should give you the setup and you should feel sucked in and you should feel intrigued you know and and i don't know if part of it is kind of knowing they're going on the streaming model and they're going to release multiple episodes um or what but yeah the the headline of my article is something like that but it takes three hours to set its stakes mm-hmm. i mean that seriously like yeah. I, I i felt coming out of episode three i was kind of like, oh okay Maybe I kind of know what the show's doing now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I will say this has fallen onto the when I have time list and not the not yeah. the priority list after after one episode. Maybe maybe well, I'm not giving it a fair shake. I'll but. be curious. I'll keep you posted. I've okay. seen episode four at this point. My article comes out on Friday, okay. and uh, I haven't gone further yet. But you know, I think I'm going to continue. It's only eight episodes overall. I kind of see what happens. I'm intrigued enough to keep going. But I understand if I hadn't already been down on the list to yeah. write about this show and felt like, okay, I have to watch all three of these episodes and, you know, in time yeah. for the premiere, <clears throat> I don't know if I would have. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, I've seen people out there in the world who love this show already way more than I do. So, mm, yeah. Based on an award winning book, you know, maybe. (laughs) Are you you familiar with the show Pablo Torre Finds Out? I'm familiar with it. Never seen it. So it's just, it just started. Yeah. Pablo Torre, who's been on ESPN, all of that. I check, I'm, I'm enjoying that, you know. I mean, I guess it's a sports talk show, but it hasn't yeah. been. The first episode, he's confronting Dan Levitard with stuff from interviews he did with Donald Trump 10 years ago. <laughs> and just, man, if, if you know these people, if you ever want to see Dan Levitard squirm for an hour, he's just <laughs> he's just squirming in his seat. I thought it was really entertaining. And he's done a couple more. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's like a podcast, but it's also on YouTube and Oh, okay. I think it's TV, okay. so so I don't know. I'll throw that out to the world. Sounds uh, like it's up my alley, so I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, you should. Um, but okay, you want to get into winning time? Yeah, we should definitely talk about this uh, penultimate episode. Okay, so <clears throat> as per usual, um, we'll take a ten second break. Basically, on the other side of that, we're gonna dig in on winning time season two, episode six called beat la um and uh yeah so spoilers on the table for that episode and everything prior in winning time um, on the other side of the break Okay, welcome back. We're going to pick up um, with Winning Time, Season 2, Episode 6. Um, what do you think about this episode, Ryan? Um, I, I'll be honest, it wasn't my favorite. Um, if, I'm, if I'm being completely honest, probably my least favorite of this season. Um, and this is not just because you were right about the <laughs> zipping through to get to the 1984 finals but in, on the other hand it is because you're right that they had to do so much almost two years worth of worth of timeline to get us to where we leave off for the finale that it kind of left us with okay does, does anything in those two years year and a half whatever the time frame is in this episode coverage does any of that matter did we actually focus on the things that do matter and you know, I thought we we're sort of building, simmering up to this point where the Celtics and Lakers are going to meet, and that we just sort of took the express train to get there, and and now we're supposed to sort of get this 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 uh, you know King Kong versus Godzilla fight in the finals and and in the finale, and you know it just sort of left me wanting a little bit with with episode six. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, it did feel to me in many ways like they were kind of trying to shove too much in this episode. Yeah. Um, I do have to know, and people who <laughs> listen to the podcast will get that said. Like when I started watching the episode, I kind of laughed in relation <laughs> to our conversations because it was like called it, you know. Yeah, they, they go yeah. through the 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 um, where they left us off last week. They're about to go into the finals in in 1982, right? Yep. It's like 10 seconds yeah. of the show. It's like, boom. And then like the next, the whole next season is like, I don't know. The, the literal first episode is them bursting through the door, having won that championship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then I feel like the whole next season is the cold open. It's yeah. like, 
um, so yeah, as I say, and they can they can race through things. I mean, I think they do so relatively effectively, and I don't mind it a whole lot. Um, so I still enjoyed the episode personally. It just it, it's more to me like it felt a little incoherent. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and I don't know that if we think back on the previous episodes of the show that we could succinctly um, articulate a thematic core mm-hmm. for for each episode, but we could try, and I think we might do pretty well. Like this one's about this, this one's about that, you know, in, yeah. in sort of thematic terms, not just in plot terms. I'm clear, you know, whereas this just kind of felt. A bit all over the place. It was just kind of like we have to get through all this stuff. Yeah, you know. Um, you, you know and for how much of it, we were speeding through two seasons, but then got—I don't know the percentage of time, but a significant percentage of time focusing on magic and Cookie. This, you know, his this on again off again girlfriend from back in Michigan that's come and visited California. He interrupts the meeting that they have to a bending of the reality a little bit. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just part of my issue that we spend a lot of time with them on phone calls over the course of this this season. And they're trying to speed through and hit the high points. I'm not sure that Magic and, and Cookie, when they're not actually going to get married until many, many years later, uh, was was a high point that we needed to hit along the way. Yeah, that, we, we talked about this before. There, there's a certain way in which it feels like they've been forcing that storyline. Yeah. yeah. And, you know... I don't know. I don't want to get too down on it. Maybe it's just a matter of personal taste. There, there is the real world fact of their relationship, and it, okay, it's of some relevance. This is what I mean. Like, how does that hang together with these other things? I guess maybe this is what they were after. Because now that I'm thinking about it on air here, you've got that, which is about the relationship. You've mm-hmm. got Norm Nixon and Debbie Allen getting together, right. and you've got the blow up between Jerry Buss and Honey, right? You know. So, I mean, I guess in some way, and then with Kareem, but like that didn't really focus on um, his relationship with Cheryl. Yeah, um, and I will, I will say, uh, yeah, I made a note about this here um, before we before we went on. That this thing that w- the more I researched it bothered me quite a bit because they use this event of Kareem's house burning, which did happen. Yeah. As a moment to sort of catalyze him or motivate him into this person who inspires and, you know, becomes the, you know, the 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 captain that this team has always needed and gives a speech where they're going to go out and now go through this 83, 84 season based on w- the way that their captain has motivated them. Th- this fire happened in January of the previous season. So that didn't actually even happen in the timeline. As a matter of fact, they say in this episode, oh, Cap, you don't need to be here. It's November against Dallas, implying that this is the beginning of the 1983 season. Well, no, this actually happened about 11 months earlier in the middle of the other season. And so, you know, I, I get it. I guess you need something to push them after they got swept by the Sixers. But that it just bothered me that that's the thing that they used. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a fact check that, doesn't quite sit right in a way how degree right. i thought within the context of the episode it was really well done and it was really it was really powerful sure you sure know? it was so i think in television terms it absolutely worked you know yeah um, and, and maybe that's the case that for 
85% of people who watch the show that just want as a dramatization of the events that happened, that really would, would work. You know, yeah. some event that's going to, we're going to rally around. This is our guy who can lead us, help lead us to this. Um, but it, it just the, the NBA fan and historian and, and me just, you know, caught me to look it up and like, oh, well, that actually could never have happened. No, not like, not like that. No. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. I, I did think that was really powerful. I was reading a bit about his house fire and there's some other stuff too, um, where we see his, uh, his agent in this episode, Tom Collins, mm-hmm. who is, did you know, did you recognize the actor? That's Jay Moore. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't looked this up, but this is this Jerry Maguire sports agent, Jay Moore, right? That's Jay Moore. Okay. I didn't, I, you know, I was looking it up and I was like, yeah, is that him in the episode? I'm pretty sure, you know, that's Jay Moore. That's, uh, you know, give us season three because there's a storyline here, which I guess yes. I won't go too far on um, because those are potential spoilers, but also history. Go like You can go read it if you want to, okay? But um, I was reading some stuff about his house and I don't know, maybe this is really common, but it stuck out to me that um, he had custom counters because of how tall he is. Yeah. Like yeah. everything was, everything in this house was, was customized to his height i mean i don't know maybe, maybe they all do this i don't know now yeah i, I want to see what Shaq's certain, house certainly like. yeah um but yeah and the other thing i did verify is he did indeed lose his jazz collection which is very very sad yeah i think um, there was a new york times article about the fire that did say he had three thousand or so records that he that he lost yeah 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 and clearly he cares about that he would later in life go on to be a producer that's right. A, a music uh, producer. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, I, I thought that moment was powerful. So, so Shane, I'm, the fact that the history feels off, I don't yeah. know. Maybe, maybe yeah. we should just get over it. Yeah. Um, Norm Nixon was indeed traded, and it was indeed the day before his birthday. It was, yeah. I found that, I found that interesting. He was... Traded one day before, so they gave him a birthday slash farewell party. This sort of became a haphazard, put it together at the last minute. Uh, not something that had been long planned, but we needed to do something for this guy because he's just been shipped out of here. Um, it seems to be there were some, as you would expect, some pretty hard feelings uh, amongst people that made this happen and Norm, but you know they didn't get into a lot of that in this this episode but i think the norm and jerry west relationship basically was broken at this point yeah i mean i was reading apparently they butt heads they butted heads before this yeah they like there is some factual basis for that but certainly as it's presented from the team we're doing along just fine we cut to um him playing against them on his new team <laughs> yeah. the clippers and <laughs> Toast them, man. But, you know, of course, the Clippers, nah. (laughs) Still waiting. (laughs) Clippers still waiting. Yeah. And that guy, Don Sterling, (laughs) we know about that guy, too. He's a bad guy. He's a bad bad guy. Uh, And he's out. Um, Norm did indeed meet and begin dating and ultimately marry Debbie Allen, and they're still together. Still together, Um, yeah. I was wondering, this is more a question for the world at large. Does everyone still know who Debbie Allen is? You think? I, I mean, I, we we talked before we started here. I, I think that there's sort of a 
All right, you're you're like us. You're forty and above. You you know who Debbie Allen is. You at least have sort of vague familiarity with her and some of the things that she did. I have to admit, we looked that she's been in so many episodes of Grey's Anatomy. I've never seen that, but I did recall that uh, I used to watch Different World growing up. She was in all the episodes of of Different World. So yeah, I have a familiarity with her. But do my you know my young kids know? Do uh, do the Gen Z know who Debbie Allen is? I highly highly doubt it. Yeah, question to the youth. Let us know in the comments. You know. <laughs> but I mean, fame was the big thing. And then she was, they did a reboot of fame and she was also in that in, as a principal. And But I had this mm-hmm. feeling growing up, being a kid in the 80s, she was one of these celebrities. And I feel like there were a number of these celebrities in the 80s and it doesn't happen quite as much anymore, who was just like really famous and everyone knew who this person was. Yep. yep. Whether you're familiar with them doing any work or having, you know, a TV <laughs> show or whatever. It was just like, why was Zsa Gabor so famous? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but Debbie Allen, very talented. A long career also. I mean, a lot of a lot of her work's been as a choreographer and so on, right? I mean, yeah. Um, so that's real. Then we have Jerry Buss and Honey. We've talked, we've mentioned before, Honey is not real, which just yeah. becomes increasingly <laughs> mind blowing as the plot plays out. But we, we fact check this a bit. We'll try to talk through it. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you got here, Ryan? I, 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 I mean, to, to your point, it's almost like Honey is the tamest parts of some of the real women that existed in, in Jerry Buss life. If we can, if we can believe that. Right. So there's, there's instances of, of him actually uh, trying to marry someone else, still being married to the father of some of his kids. He was sued multiple times for millions and millions of dollars because of various infidelities and other things. He was, uh, he, he was you know, just constantly sort of cycling through, you know, we sort of seen this, the, the disdain that genie bus has for this one character that certainly is a representation of what she must have seen as jerry bus was cycling through these women there are stories of him meeting uh women when he was 37 38 years old and they were 19 and developing relationships with them so i mean this is a it's a honey is a a amalgamation of a lot of probably pretty pretty gross and despicable stories yeah i mean well yeah, I don't know. At least two. I think at least yeah. two. And um, they both, the two I have in mind, I've got a, a link here. Maybe I'll try to put it in the show notes and so on. Um, one thing I thought was striking is that he was sued twice, once by Veronica Bus and once by um, Puppy Bus. Or her name is what, Joanne. Um, I have this somewhere. Um Anyhow, she went by Puppy Bus. We'll say that. Yeah. But that they that they they both sued him with the same palimony lawyer, <laughs> Marvin Mitchelson, who's the guy who's in the show. Guys in the show. So so Honey's not real, but that lawyer's real. Yeah. And um, he was apparently this like famous palimony lawyer in L.A. in the early eighties. I don't know if he had commercials or no, what. You, you know, no doubt he had commercials. Um, but like they seem to have combine these two women in particular um yep. and so people can look into this more if they want to it as a tv show the other thing that's striking to me is it's almost like they said that's too convoluted to put on screen yeah yeah that's I, just <laughs> we, we've got 32 stories we're following in the beginning How, we need to condense all these into one too much drama let's simplify it 
that's making the one one character. But the fact I don't know, I'm particularly amused that they they sued him with the same lawyer, and this is years oh, apart, yeah. years apart. <laughs> um, also, let me mention now because she was tweeting before this episode aired, so I don't know that she'd seen it. But she'd seen all the other episodes. I found it for some reason really amusing this past week to see Jeannie Buss taking to Twitter, promoting the show, and further saying things like, John C. Riley nails <laughs> it, and about, you know, she misses dad. <laughs> did you see any of that? I, I did. You, you pointed that out to me. I, I mean, I. I, I I don't know what to think about that. Is that a good thing that he nails it or a bad, bad thing that he nails it? I guess both. I mean, it's a great it's great that he nails it. I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, the the fact you can look at some of this old footage as we have and see sure. how well he's doing as an actor, you know. Yeah. But the fact that his daughter is like he nails it when so much of the stuff on the show is like him womanizing, him lounging <laughs> in his robe and underwear, you know, like just. And then, but anyway, apparently Jeannie Buss has been enjoying the show, which is great. And yes, please renew winning time for season three. Jeff yeah, Perlman I was going to say, she's not the only one still out there tweeting about it. Jeff Perlman went out again and has uh, said, we really need to get whatever whatever metrics the HBO is using. We need to start, start, start pumping those up because he, in his words, he does not want to end this series with the... Well, what's about to happen in the next episode? <laughs> the best, um, yeah. <laughs> that's another note I want to make about the structure and this episode and then the setup for next episode. We've talked about this along the way, and I've predicted the whole time that, oh, they'll find a way to get there. You know, they'll speed mm-hmm. through a bunch of basketball in order to get there. Man, did they go far before the finale. Yeah. Like, they're actually, they have it set up for the finale to just focus on those finals. They haven't really done this before. They they've not really given that much space to the basketball before, and I wonder how this will go. Yeah, it, it's a good point because we've talked before about you know is this a show that wants to focus on the basketball or wants to focus on the behind the scenes, right? And it seems like unless there's just some things that happen in between games that we're going to get seven games worth of of basketball in the finale. Uh, ne- next week um so yeah it just hasn't and that's another thing where it just hasn't, hasn't decided what it wants to be but yeah i bet we get a lot of a lot of basketball in episode seven i wonder i really do I w- and i wonder what what else might be in there and and all of that i mean i i enjoy some of the stylistic touches mm-hmm. when they were going really fast when they were doing stuff like having yep. the one guy pass and then they switch to a different game and, and, and catching the pass and like yeah they sped through that stuff really well, I thought, in terms of yeah. like its presentation in a TV show. So again, my only gripe about the episode is is it just kind of felt like a little disjointed yeah. to me in terms yeah. of what it was trying to do. Um, we didn't really see we haven't really seen James Worthy. No. You know, you have the trade for Byron Scott. We don't really have Byron Scott as a character in the show. Yeah. As of yet. They they are credited. They are there, but we have not no and no time with them yet yeah so maybe maybe the finale will do some work yeah um on them and, and getting them going as characters in the show um and and same thing on the other side we have spent no time with with robert farish or kevin McHale or dennis johnson or any of the players that are going to become such villains in the you know presumably in the yeah. finale here hopefully we get some of them we did that 
a, a nice scene in here with Red and Bird. I, I did yep. love the scene. And there's a great way in this show. I love how this show presents Larry Bird. Let me put it that way. I don't yeah. know how Larry Bird feels about it. <laughs> I would love to hear him say something. Yes. He probably uh, more, more than anyone in the show, yeah. He probably will not ever say anything right. about the show. Um, or like you can imagine some reporter being like, Larry, have you seen Winning Time? And you go, Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but the way they present it, and of course, we don't have any idea whether there was any interaction quite like this in real life. But you know, Red coming to say, Oh, they're toast, you know, blah blah blah. And, and and Bird's reaction as he's practicing. Yeah. There he said, hope not. <laughs> I love that. Great. Yeah. It's absolutely was, because was... it's like they they haven't done a ton of work on the Boston side, but I feel like they've done just enough. Yeah. And with Larry Bird that um even if he's gruff and even if he's kind of mean and rough around the edges, that he has this heart to him where no, he doesn't want them to be done. He wants to beat yeah. the Lakers. He wants to yeah. beat Magic and the Lakers. He respects Magic and the Lakers exactly. as basketball players, and he wants to play them. And so it's really kind of a, a, a great setup. What do you think about the back and forth at the end with the chanting of the two? Yeah, I, I, I found it to be a little cartoonish, honestly. I mean, it's, yeah. you, you know, we know, see, that's the thing. They do such a good job of setting up amongst the dialogue and interaction amongst the characters how much they hate each other and how much they want to destroy each other i mean i don't necessarily need you to chant it at me that that we don't we don't like them right um yeah but but to that to your point there there's a i mean this would be years later i want to say it's in the 85 finals larry bird has this famous post-game interview where he gets up and he's like shaking his head just saying Magic's just the best there ever is, right? It, and he just, he can't believe how good he was in the game he just played against him. So yeah, there's this hatred there, but there's also this this respect. And to know that they have this respect and they want to earn the respect of that other team by by beating them, frankly. And they had, nobody's had the chance to do that yet, right? Play each other maybe once in the regular season, but they need that finals and they're about to get it. Yeah, they're about to get it. Yeah, I agree about the cartoonish thing. I think maybe they didn't need as much repetition now yeah. I'm just critiquing the form <laughs> of the show. Overall, it's been a great yeah. ride. The show's a ton of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to the season finale. I hope they pull it yes. off well. Um, Let me say one more thing, which is we have now passed the time where we could have Marvin Gaye performing at the All-Star Game. Oh. We're not going to get it. 1983 All-Star Game, so we're past oh. it. <laughs> See, they went too fast. So yeah, too fast. in there. Missed it. They, can, they needed three more episodes, and they <laughs> needed. And I don't know, by the way, whether this is an H- HBO saying you only get seven, or if they yeah. thought they got it done in seven and didn't want more. I, I don't know the answer to that. I'd like to know, but I would have kind of loved to have this go a little bit slower, yep. to spend a little bit more time with Genie Bus throughout the course of the season, and that's where you tie in the Marvin Gaye thing. There you go. Because this is about the arena. This is about the business aspect, you know. Um, it, it needed nine or ten, and it, we're getting seven. So one more next week. Yeah. At the same time, though, part of why part of why I think they spend so much time uh, or so little time on this 
is the Philadelphia 76ers uniquely are not characters in the show. <laughs> right. You know, it's like they managed to do it in a way where they're like, they're, we're not going to make them characters. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. J was in season one a little bit, as I recall. He was um, in a tiny bit. And certainly there they have those Dr. J, uh, Moses Malone, some of the players on that team have these very brief segments where they're playing yeah. in the finals, but not, but not at all. Yeah. But they're not really characters no. in the show. They're they, not. They didn't make Moses Malone a character in the show, which obviously they could have. He has a huge personality. Yeah, they're tall yeah. basketball playing extras on the call sheet. That, that's what they are. Right? Yeah. So anyway, I, okay, I think that about does it for this week. Um, thanks again to everyone for listening to the podcast. Uh, leave us a good review, hit like or whatever on the thing that you're listening on. Uh, you can find um, the podcast on YouTube you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, please do um, check out the site, tvobsessive.com. You can follow the site on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, Mastodon, Blue Sky, if you Blue Sky. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Cameron CC. Ryan's a cable box score. I just ran through everything. Anything you want to add before we're done? That's it. We've got one more, uh, one more episode to go, and then you and I are going to have to to uh, put our heads together and announce next week probably what's uh, what's coming up after winning time. Yeah, we have to figure out what comes next. Hey, I'll tell you what what it's not is HBO 9 p.m. on Sunday. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. Maybe not until January of next year. We'll I still see. haven't looked. Yeah, it, it, it might be on their schedule now, what they are showing. And they, it could be like movies. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Back when HBO used to do that. Yeah, I remember when HBO primarily showed movies. <laughs> Oh, one one quick thing. Uh, we're sorry. This is a very rushed addendum. Did you see that um, Brian Gumbel is stepping down from yes, um, sports? longest running sports show on television. That Coming is, um, soon, yeah. And I wonder what will happen there. You know, if they'll continue that show at all, or they end the show. I kind of hope they don't end the show. I think this they? show's ending. They they should just take those resources and do more documentaries. Their sports documentaries are very good. Yeah, I suppose that would work. But this is like. The 60 minutes of sports. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's really kind of crazy if, if that is uh, ending and, and unfortunate. Um, but okay. It's fun as always, Ryan. I'll see you next week. All right. Take care.